Hi everybody, welcome to the podcast today. We're going to continue on in Acts the 15th chapter, if you'll remember. Uh, we left off yesterday in uh, verse number 5, where it says some sects of the Pharisees who believed, which means they were born again, they believed Christ as Savior, they rose up saying, it is necessary to circumcise them, speaking of the Gentiles, and to command them to keep the law of Moses. And so we talked quite extensively about that yesterday. I just want to kind of start from there. But let me just remind you uh, that this is a temptation we all have to cling to the old way of thinking. And uh, the old way of thinking is not the way God would have us to, to live. And so all it's going to do is drag people down into condemnation. Uh, into a, a way of living that's going to be virtually impossible to derive any peace. And of course, as we talked in church on Sunday, um, self-righteousness is not something God's interested in. Uh, it is counterintuitive to the gospel message, and there's no salvation in our own acts of righteousness. So uh, this comes to the forefront now for the first time in the early church where we see that uh, uh, the Pharisees are, are sort of making a stand here. Um, and, you know, it's interesting also to note that this, this um, I don't know, discussion, conversation, debate, um, controversy even, between law and grace is, is now in our own time coming to a culmination where people are truly discussing uh, what is happening here. Uh, and so anyway, not to belabor, we talked about it extensively. Let me just remind you that over in uh, 2 Corinthians 3, verse 7, Paul called the Ten Commandments the ministry of death written on stones. We know he's speaking specifically of the Ten Commandments in that passage because um, it is the only thing God ever wrote on stone uh, that we know of in Scripture, and so he's talking about that. Now remember, the reason the law was given is to condemn people. And so for that purpose, I, I agree with it. I know the law is perfect, the law is holy, the law is righteous, but that's uh, you know, a two-edged sword because in order to, to fulfill it, you have to be perfect, you have to be righteous, you have to be holy. And we can't do that of our own accord. And so through Christ, we are made righteous, we are made holy, and, um, and we are made perfect in that spiritual sense. And so uh, Jesus came and fulfilled the law. So at any rate, let's move on here now in verse number, um, in verse number six. It says, Now the apostles and elders came together to consider this matter, and when there was much dispute, Peter rose up and said to them, Men and brethren, you know that a good while ago God chose among us that by my mouth the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. Now he's, remember, he's, he's hearkening back now to Acts, the 10th chapter, when he went to Cornelius' home. And then Acts, the 11th chapter, he explained much the way he's doing here uh, about how the Holy Spirit fell and how God sort of validated the Gentiles uh, just the way he did the Jews. Uh, remember, too, when we hit that point in Acts 10, I reminded you that Jesus had told Peter, I will give you the keys to the kingdom. And uh, remember that day he said, Whom do men say that I am? And they said, Some say 
this prophet and that and so forth. And he said, well, who do you say that I am? And Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And then Jesus um, encouraged Peter and said, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven, upon this rock I'll build my church. He, he didn't mean Peter. He meant the revelation that I am the Christ, the Son of the living God. And then he told Peter, he talked about the keys to the kingdom. And I think that giving us the keys to the kingdom applies to all of us. It's his good pleasure to give us the kingdom, the New Testament teaches us. But I think specifically because of Peter's discernment and sensitivity, specifically he was making a promise to Peter as well. And I think that we see in Acts 3, we just talked about this in church on Sunday, Peter preached the very first message to the Jews on the day of Pentecost. 3,000 got saved. The next day, uh, 5,000 got saved. Total of 8,000 in a couple of days. But also, Peter preached the first message to the Gentiles. We saw it in Acts chapter 10. So, just an interesting side note. God always keeps his promise to all of us. Amen. So then, moving right along here. um, Verse 8. So, God, who knows the heart, Peter's still, still speaking here, acknowledged them by giving them the Holy Spirit, just as he did to us. So, not only did he... Uh, choose them that they would hear the gospel and believe, in other words, to be saved, but also he empowered them by the baptism of the Holy Spirit, just as he did to us, in verse 8 says. This is interesting to me because up until this point in Acts, there's been four examples of people being baptized in the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2, the apostles, and then Acts 8, Acts 9, and Acts 10. You have the Samaritans, Saul of Tarsus, and the, the Gentiles in Cornelius' home. And only the first and the fourth needed no one to pray for them. The Holy Spirit fell sovereignly, spontaneously upon the apostles who were in the upper room and the disciples. And then in Samaria, they laid hands on them and prayed. In Acts 9, with Saul of Tarsus, Paul, uh, Ananias laid hands on him. But then again, with the Gentiles, the very first time... The Gentiles heard the message and were baptized in the Holy Spirit. Nobody laid hands on them. I think God was having to show Peter that I did to them the same thing I did to you all in the upper room to sort of validate one step further the fact that they were in full partnership with the covenant of God. So he brings that out. So God acknowledged them by giving them the Holy Spirit. And verse 9 says, And he made no distinction between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. Again, no distinction. It was all the same. Uh, he sovereignly fell on them with the Holy Spirit. And that meant something to these uh, Jews, I believe. Verse 10. Now, therefore, why do you test God by putting a yoke on the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear? In other words, why are you trying to put them back underneath the law, speaking of the Gentiles, when us Jews weren't even able to keep it? Uh, so, again, Peter's showing some glimpses of of true revelation here in the in, in the area of grace. Uh, it, it's amazing to see, actually. Uh, verse 11 says, But we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved in the same manner as they. And then all the multitude kept silent and listened to Barnabas and Paul, declaring how many miracles and wonders God had worked through them among the Gentiles. Friend, this is the key. It is by grace that we are saved through faith, Ephesians 2.8 tells us, and that not of ourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. See, when you're doing certain things and you think other people should do them, you can become prideful in what you're doing, and you can put undue weight 
on the importance of what you're doing and then start requiring people and preaching or teaching or, or talking to people about Jesus and, and subtly putting yokes of bondage upon them that yes, you need to get saved, but then you got to get in church and you got to start doing something. You have to start giving and whatever the case may be, whatever our, our personal preferences are, we tend to share those on equal par as, as gospel. And it's not. Uh, I'm telling you, it is by faith, by grace we are saved through faith and not of works because he doesn't want any of us to be boastful. He doesn't want any of us uh, to lose track of, of what this is all about and who this is all about. So then it goes on to say, And after they had become silent, and after Paul and Barnabas had spoken, James answered and said, Men and brethren, listen to me. And I'm going to stop right here for today, but let me just say this. This is James, the brother of Jesus, and he is the pastor of the Church of Jerusalem. He was not one of the twelve, but I'm going to show you here today, and, and then we'll finish this thought tomorrow. But he's getting the last word here as the leader of the church. This is a great illustration of submission to authority. Peter stood up and spoke. Paul and Barnabas stood up and spoke. And then James got up and made the decision based on what he had heard. And this is important because authority in the body of Christ is in direct relationship to our submission to authority. Jesus was submitted to the Father. Uh, we find out when he spoke to the centurion. The centurion uh, could see he was submitted to someone other than himself because the centurion said, I too, I also am a man under authority. And I say to this one, go, and he goes, and this one to come, and he comes, and so forth. Um, basically what he was saying was, anybody that can do what you do must be submitted to a higher authority. Uh, we see the Holy Spirit. Jesus said he will not take of his own, but he will take of what is mine and declare it unto you. So Jesus was submitted to the Father. The Holy Spirit is submitted to Christ. Jesus and Jesus said, "I don't do anything unless you first see, unless I first see it from my Father." So nobody's running their own program. And in the in the church here in Jerusalem, we see that Peter speaks, Paul and Barnabas speak, and then once you see tomorrow that James makes his final decision, everybody goes with it. And so there is uh, authority. There is levels of responsibility in the kingdom, and I think that's important to know because it causes everything to to function in order. At any rate, friend, that's all of our time today. Thank you for being with me, and we'll pick up here tomorrow. I just uh, want to encourage you today in your own life that as you go, remember that it is by grace that we are saved, not of works, lest anyone should boast. So go and be blessed today, and I'll see you tomorrow right here on the podcast. Perhaps I'll see you tonight at 7 p.m. at the church. God bless.